Well, I was going to tell you that story, but somebody took it away from me, so <laughs> I would have told it way better than that, but you know, some guys just like to steal your thunder. But I think we can all say that we've already had a great night hearing Brother Robert's dad joke of the day. <laughs> I've known Jeff Roberts a long time. We were in teen group, to, teen group together. In fact, we, start, we knew other, each other probably about 12 years of age. We've known each other all these years. Jeff stood up with me at my wedding. Jeff worked with me in St. Thomas when I first went, and I still hate him as much today as I did back then. So good to see him tonight. We love Laura Lee. Jeff, we can't stand. We invited Jeff to come to lunch today. My dad, my dad, as you know, loves to invite people to go out for lunch, and he loves the fellowship, and he just loves to do that, and so he said, hey, Pastor, you want to come? So Pastor, you know, he never turns out a free meal, so he came, and Ida came. That was awesome. And then he invited Jeff and Laura Lee, and Laura Lee showed up, but Jeff never showed up. Didn't come. He said, I'm not going to eat with them people. So now he was on the bus today and uh, got late with the bus, didn't join us. So it was really a nice meal. It was quiet. None of those dumb jokes. It was really a good day. And we appreciate that. So no, I love them and appreciate them. Great to see them here. I said to him, I said, are you glad to be home? He said, I am. I'm glad to be home. And I'm glad he's here. Good to see you. Uh, how many of you grew up going to church on Sunday nights? How many of you grew up going to church on Sunday night? Raise your hand high in the air. All right, good. Put your hands down. How many of you have just started to come to church on Wednesday night since you've either found the church or, or gotten saved? You've just started coming to Sunday night services. Let me see your hands, would you? All right, good number of you. Most of you grew up going to church on Sunday nights. I love Sunday night service. When I was pastoring the Bible Baptist Church, absolutely my favorite service of the week because all the Sunday school te teachers and junior church workers all came into the service. We had all the regular people there. The, the, the choir was usually a little more full and all of those things. We've lost a little bit of that today. And I go to a lot of churches where Sunday night is not what Sunday morning was. And it, it, it troubles me a little bit because I love it. I love the time that we can spend. And I want to thank you for being here tonight. Thank you for making that a part of, of your worship time. And I feel that, that in this day, and the Bible says, as we see the day of Christ approaching, the more, the Bible says, we ought to be receiving the more of his word. We ought to be receiving the more of the fellowship of the saints. And I'm afraid there are a number of folks who are missing out on the more. Would you promote Sunday night service to those who come Sunday morning? Would you let them know we have a great time? Pastor has a great message. The fellowship is great. The music is awesome. And push those things. Wednesday night prayer meeting, another time that you could promote. Hey, we have a time when we come together and pray, and it's a great time. We, we think we're so busy today, don't we? Everybody's so busy, and we have to have the kids in bed at 7 o'clock and all those things. I tell people, you can come up with any excuse you want. Just come and receive the things of the Lord. I'm glad you're here tonight. I'm preaching to the choir, but I want to tell you I'm thrilled. It's good to be back. Good to be home. Uh, I have... Uh, this Sunday here, I will be in Barrie uh, next week. Then I'm home for a Sunday just to sit and hear the preaching. And then I'm preaching the 27th at uh, Bible Baptist Church. And then I'll be hitting the road again. And I'm booked pretty solid from March 1st all the way through to December uh, next year. I'll be somewhere every weekend, uh, except for five or six. I think I got five or six open that uh, I took off for some summertime uh, time with my family. And uh, other than that, I'll be spreading the word about Bearing Precious Seed Canada and the Canadian Gospel Project finishing up this year. Get ready for the celebration to come. We're going to invite you to come to Bearing 
bearing precious seed and celebrate with us finishing our nation. And then, of course, the American Gospel Project starting America, reaching America with the gospel, which has already been started, but now we're really going to put some time and effort into it. And you pray about that. Continue to support uh, the work because we're going to, from here, support that work there uh, because they've been so good to us. And then, of course, I want to remind you about Man Up. All of you guys that are here tonight should have already gone to the website. It's here at church. You know where it's at. Sign up. We've only had a handful of guys sign up so far, and it's so hard to know how much to get for pizza and snacks and all that kind of stuff uh, until we know how many are coming. So if you would do that for me, sign up tonight. Go to the registration spot uh, at the church website and sign up and come to Man Up. We're going to have a great time. You are going to love Brother Scott Paul. If you've never heard him, he is booked about six or seven years out. He is that, that popular as a speaker because he's that good uh, as a speaker. And then also we're going to have Brother Pete Folger, who you're going to absolutely love. He took my father-in-law's church in Cleveland. His dad was pastor after my father-in-law, Dr. Roy Thompson, uh, Brother Kevin Folger. And now his son, Brother Pete Folger, is pastoring. And Pete is an incredible young man and doing a great, great job. You're going to love his preaching. I think he and Brother Paul are going to be a great mix together. And so we've got a, uh, a little bit of a younger man to... to uh, you know, appeal to uh, our younger guys. I want you to know there are young men that are preaching the gospel and doing a great job. So come and be a part of that in March 22nd, 23rd. Is it 23rd, 24th? I can't remember the dates now. I better sign up. Anyways, it's in March. You'll know when it's coming. All right, man up. Take your Bibles tonight if you would, please. Turn to Second Chronicles. Second Chronicles chapter 5. I want to give you tonight the glory of God. I want to look at the glory of God tonight. I want you to think about that for a second as you're turning to Second Chronicles chapter 5. The glory of God. What is the glory of God? Now, when I was a young preacher boy, Dr. Strachan used to get upset. I used to say God. The glory of God. He goes, you sound like an American. It's God. It's God. We had to learn how to say God in, in the preaching class. And, and I've kind of uh, put the two together. The glory of God. Think about that. We, we often talk about it. We sing about it. But the glory of God, what does that mean? I want to take a look at that tonight. Here are some synonyms that might help you. Glory could also be said as the greatness. The greatness of God. You ever thought about the greatness of God? How great is God? We just had a song that kind of talked about that. The greatness of God. All that God is, all that God has, all that God has done, the greatness of God, the grandeur. The grandeur of God. The splendor, the splendor. We often use that when we talk about scenery or, or something that we see that God's created, the splendor of God. Here's one, the magnificence of God. The magnificence. I've heard people look at artwork and say, that's magnificent. Listen, the magnificence of God. How great that is. The glory of God. Now, what in your life have you ever seen or experienced that made you understand those words? Grandeur, splendor, greatness, glory. How about the, the thunder of Niagara Falls? I still love, I've been there a number of times, of course, many of us have, but I've been there many times, and I like to park up, up from the falls a little bit, and I like to walk along the river, the riverbank there. There's a walk there. And you walk along the river, and it's, it's quiet. It's really quiet. The, wa the water's moving at a good pace, but it's, it, it's, just, it's not real loud. 
And then you get to Table Rock and you slip by that, that, that railing there, that last part of the railing on the river, and you kind of slip around the corner a little bit and there are the falls and that water coming over those falls, crashing down upon those rocks. It's, it's a thunder. When I hear that, when I see that, I think of the glory of God. Wow, that thunderous Niagara Falls. How about this, the majestic Rocky Mountains? Is there anybody here who's never seen the Rocky Mountains in Canada? You've never seen. Listen, get in your car after the service. It'll take you a couple hours. Head to the Rocky Mountains, all right? My dad, when I was a kid, he said, I'm going to show you Canada. When we were 12 years of age, we got in the car. We drove all the way to Nova Scotia. We got to Halifax, Nova Scotia. And then the next year, he said, okay, get in the car, and we're going all the way to British Columbia. And we went out and we saw the Rocky Mountains. I'm 13 years old. My dad goes, look at that, the Rocky Mountains. And I said, it's just a hill with snow on it. Uh, The Rocky Mountains. I didn't get it then. I didn't get it then. The Rocky Mountains. The majesty. The beauty. Maybe something like the turquoise of Lake Louise or or Moraine Lake. If you've never seen those in Banff National Park, I've seen those. It's it's almost surreal. I take a picture and I show it to people and they say, is that that Photoshop? No, no, that's how it really looked. It's just an incredible turquoise water. The the, the ice in the mountains as as it melts and comes down into those lakes just makes it a beautiful turquoise. Maybe it's something like the brilliance of the thunderstorm. Again, when I was a kid... I was, I was afraid of thunderstorms. And I think as uh, many of us are as children, and my dad and mom, again, brilliant, said, let's, let's go out and watch the thunderstorm so we wouldn't be afraid of the thunder and lightning that was going on around us. And it seems like in those days, things are always better when you're a kid. They're always bigger and louder when you're a kid. It just seemed like, man, it was just a, an explosion and the lights and all that. And so my dad said, let's get some lawn chairs and we'll put them up in the garage and we'll watch the thunderstorm from the garage. How many of you did that as a kid? How many, any parents do that? I love that my parents did that. I love thunderstorms. If I hear they're coming, I am out on the front porch. I'm sitting on the rocker. I've got the binoculars out. I'm waiting for that. I'm hoping to see something get struck by lightning as long as it's not me. (laughs) I love it. I love it. When I think of the glory of God, I think of that thunderstorm and how that that lightning comes crashing through that sky, splits the sky, and then the flash of light. Love it. The glory of God. The power of a tornado or hurricane. How many of you remember when a tornado came through Simcoe years ago? Ended up in Waterford. Remember that? Took the, took the gas station in Waterford. Took the, the roof off of the gas station and sent it several blocks uh, on the other side of the little uh, community of Waterford. I remember the tornado. I remember uh, watching that. We didn't really know what it was, but we saw the storm coming. We're living out in Renton. And we see that dark cloud, you know, somewhat of that funnel moving. We didn't really know. And my dad said, I think, I think that's a tornado. And sure enough, went over our house and ended up over in Waterford, a tornado. And the power of God, I see what that does, the devastation. And we're all shocked by that. But I, I love that spinning, that, that noise that it makes the freight train sound noise. And I've been intrigued by tornadoes and hurricanes. Or maybe the miracle of a newborn baby, the glory of God. Remember when your kids were born, especially dads, you, you moms go through that labor and you're recuperating from having that baby and they take that baby and they clean it off and they give that baby to dad. And I don't know if you're like me, but when I look down into the eyes of our children, man, a myriad of emotions rushed through me. I cried. I, I, there's the sound right now. Isn't that amazing? Sound effect is, this is going to be born right now. <laughs> Good thing I'm a doctor. And, and so that baby, and you look into that face 
And I said to the nurse, how could anybody believe that you could take that and destroy that? How could anybody practice abortion having seen that? The glory of God in that miracle of birth. As awesome as all those are, none of them really come close to the glory of God. For God is all of those things rolled into one, and that one is the creator of all of them. Imagine with me experiencing, seeing, knowing the glory of, and that is God. I want to see that one day. I want to, I want to see heaven. I, I want to see the gates open. I want to see the throne room of God. And I want to be able to go and do what no man is able to do and live. I want to see the face of God in his glory. We envision it, we imagine it, we take those other things and we try to really grasp it, but we never will until we actually see. Let's see if we can try to get just a glimpse of the glory of God tonight. Would you look at 2 Chronicles chapter 5, verses 13 and 14 tonight? It says, and it came to pass as the trumpeters and singers were as one. Could I stop there and say this? When I come to church here and the music program that this church has begins to give to us the, the song that God has laid on their hearts. When those instruments and those singers are all in one accord, it is awesome. We used to have an orchestra here, we used to have a small orchestra, and when that orchestra would join with that, it was incredible. I mean, I remember some of the Christmas cantatas, Easter programs. Some, I remember some of those in the full orchestra. It was incredible. Here is Israel. They're all together. They're, they're singing. It says to make one sound to be heard in praising and thanking the Lord. And when they lifted up their voices with the trumpets and cymbals and instruments of music and praised the Lord saying, for he is good. Would you all say that with me nice and loud? For he is good. Come on, really say it now. For he is good. You imagine a million people, all of Israel gathered together. They're all gathered around, and they're all saying, for he is good, for his mercy endureth forever. That then the house was filled with a cloud, a cloud. We know that cloud. We're going to look at that cloud. Even the house of the Lord this new temple that Solomon has created, one of the greatest masterpieces of all time, one of the most beautiful creations of man of all time, laden with gold. It was, it was a sight to see. And here's Israel, come to worship, come to consecrate it, come to begin worshiping at it. And I love verse 14. So that the priests, watch this now, could not stand to minister by reason of the what? The cloud. What was that cloud? It was God with them. It was God in their presence. It was the glory of God touched down upon this earth. And man beheld it, and those who were singing, and those who were playing, and those who were ministering were so overcome in the presence of the glory of God, they could not stand to minister. Their legs gave out. They, they, they were moved by the presence of God. For the glory of the Lord had filled the house of God. That runs a chill down my back. Now think of that. 
I think we can all think of great days in our lives of church and different services, and I'm sure there's a service that maybe comes to mind in your life when you thought, man, God just showed up. As preachers, we always say, God just showed up at church today. I mean, the music was right on, and the people were responsive, and, and the preaching was on, and the invitation was moving, and, and just God was there. And you remember those, and you think, oh, could it just be like that every service? Every preacher wants that every service. I think every church member wants that every service. Just everything comes together. It's so great, but this was so great because God showed up. They could not stand. The priests carry in the holiest of all pieces the Ark of the Covenant in verses 7 to 11. The hallowed resting place of God while in man's presence, the Ark of the Covenant. The symbolism of the law and the mercy and the grace of God all in one. The acacia wood. The acacia wood. Brother Laidlaw is here tonight. Brother Dave Laidlaw is a good friend of mine. I've known him a long time. His dad loved wood. His dad collected wood. He collected Bible wood. He had a collection of Bible wood. Whatever, do you have that? Does anybody still have that? He had like all kinds of pieces of wood. I remember as a kid, I'm probably 11, 12, 13 years of age, they invited us over for some fellowship and your dad took about an hour and a half to tell us about wood. As a 12-year-old, I was mesmerized. No, I was not. I'm like, hey buddy, it's wood. <laughs> they got it down at the hardware store, all kinds of it. But he had, he had acacia wood. He'd say, this is, this is gopher wood, this is acacia wood, this is the wood of the Bible. It was a great thing. I didn't, again, you, as a kid, you don't understand, but it was kind of cool. And so this acacia wood, God was very specific in what was used in, in the worship of God in the Old Testament because we all know it's a picture of the New Testament. Every part of the Old Testament worship, every, every instrument, every piece of furniture was a symbol, was a picture of Jesus Christ. And so they get and they make this, this Ark of the Covenant of acacia wood. It symbolized our Lord's humanity. The gold overlay denoted his deity. The Ten Commandments and the Pentateuch inside the Ark pictured Jesus with the law of God in his heart living in perfect obedience to it. The pot of manna spoke of Jesus as the bread of life or, or the life sustainer. Aaron's rod that budded obviously prophesied the resurrection of Jesus Christ and the blood sprinkled upon the Ark of the Covenant symbolized that which would end the law to bring all the mercy, grace, and salvation of God. Every time Israel looked at the worship of God, every time the priest, because the Ark of the Covenant was not always seen, it was hidden behind a very thick, heavy curtain because it was so holy. They would go in and they would see that and they would think of the coming Savior. There are some of you here tonight who do not know Jesus Christ as your Savior. Maybe there's some here tonight who have never accepted him. I want you to know as you study the Old Testament and look into that New Testament, we find a Savior, Jesus Christ, who loves us who died and gave himself for us and fulfills the law of God and ends that need of the law and gives to us mercy and grace that we can live eternally in the presence of the glory of God. All we have to do is accept that. Wow. When all is in place and the people fully prepared, God in all his glory appears and watch what happens. Then the house was filled with a cloud, even the house of the Lord, so that the priest could not stand to minister by reason of the cloud, for the glory of the Lord had filled the house of God. Could you imagine coming into Bible or Bethel Baptist Church 
You come in, you sit down, and you can just tell there's, a, there's an electricity in the air. There's something, something's going to happen. And, and I'm fulfilled. I, I, I've read my Bible, and I've prayed this week, and I've sanctified myself, and I've prepared myself for worship, and I'm wanting of worship, and I'm anticipating something of worship. And pretty soon I can sense that that's all around me. And we begin to sing, and everybody's singing from their hearts, and there's tears maybe streaming down their faces. They think of the words, and, and the choir just is singing like they've not sung before, and the instruments are playing like they've never played before. And you can just tell there's something. And the preacher gets up, the priest, and he says, Folks, I can't do it. I, I can't do it. There, there, there's such a, a power over this place, there's such a presence of God. I, I can't preach. Wow, wouldn't you like to be in that service? Would you like to be there? Here's Israel in that place. Oh, that we in our worship would be so sanctified, so separated, so sacred, so single-minded that we might not be able to stand to minister in the presence of God's glory. Let me show you now the glory of God very quickly. Number one, the Shekinah glory of God. The word Shekinah does not appear in the Bible, but the concept clearly does. The Jewish rabbis coined the extra-biblical expression, a form of Hebrew word that literally means he caused to dwell. He caused to dwell. The Shekinah glory, that cloud that was in that worship, signifying that it was a divine visitation of the presence or dwelling of the Lord God on this earth. God clothed himself and led Israel with that same cloud by day and a pillar of fire by night. From that, he spoke and declared himself. The absence of that glory was declared by Phineas's wife, that's Levi's son's wife, to be Ichabod. 1 Samuel chapter 4 and verse 21 says, And she named the child Ichabod, saying, The glory is departed from Israel because the ark of God was taken, and because her father-in-law and her husband. And she said, The glory is departed from Israel, for the ark of God is taken. The glory of God is gone. You know, we say that of churches sometimes. I've been in churches and it's sad. People are just going through the motions and people are just doing what they've always done. It's just become a habit. And, and, and you get done the service and you just feel empty. You feel like, why did we come? It just There's nothing there. And we would say, that church is Ichabod. The glory of God has left it. The power of God is not upon it. He doesn't rest there. He doesn't worship there. And I've seen big churches, and I've seen new churches, and man, they put on quite a performance. But I gotta tell you, I sense Ichabod. I want the glory of God in our worship. I want the glory of God in my worship. I want the glory of God in my preaching. I want the glory of God in the response of God's people. I want to know the glory of God. When we see that, when we know that glory of God, we will know that we have been with God. Then look at this. Next, we must look upward to see the next display of God's glory. The skyward glory of God. Psalm 19, verse 1. Let's go over there real quick. Psalm 19. We heard from the Psalms this morning. Psalm 19, verse 1. Psalm 19, verse 1. The Shekinah glory of God. Now the skyward glory of God. Psalm 19, verse 1 says, The heavens declare the glory of God. And the firmament showeth his handiwork. I, uh, I work with the firemen in our city, and I stopped in the other day, and there was a guy reading a book, and it was about atheism. It was about uh, evolution. And so I said to him, I said, what are you reading? He goes, well, I'm just studying up on, on some evolution here. And I said, oh, I said, you're an evolutionist. He goes, well, kind of. He said, I'm kind of just you know, doing some deeper study. And I said, well, i got to be honest with you. I'm not an evolutionist. I'm a creationist. 
And I said, here's my problem. I said, uh, I, try to, I try to look at evolutionism in a, in a, you know, a study kind of context, but I can't figure out where the most minuscule atom or speck or gas or whatever came from. Where did that come from? That nanomolecule, where, that, where, did, molecule, where did that come from? And he said, you know what? He said, when I was a kid, he said, I was an atheist. He said, I did not believe in God. He said, and then I started studying, and he said, I had to come to the realization that there has to be something greater than us. That's what every, that's what every evolutionist ought to come to. But they don't want to. They, don't want, they want to deny that. But here's, here's something I like to challenge them with. Would you come out with me to the night sky? Tonight should be a good night. It's been a beautiful day today. Beautiful day. We're going to go out tonight, and I'm sure the sky will be open. Get out into the country somewhere. Get, get, get away from the city lights and drive out in the country. When I was a kid, we lived out in the country. If you take Highway 24 towards Port Ryersey, um, right at the Radical Road, we had a house there. It's not there anymore. They tore it down. But uh, we used to live out there in an old farmhouse, and boy, it was dark at night. I mean, Simcoe was about 9,000 people. It wasn't all that big. So the city lights really didn't, really didn't blend anything out then. But I went out as a kid, and I remember looking up. My parents would go out, and we'd look up. My dad say, there's the Big Dipper, and there's the Little Dipper, and here's some of the other constellations. And we'd look up. Sometimes we'd lay out at night in the summer, put a blanket out on the grass and look up. And, man, it seemed like you could see every star in the sky. I remember as a kid, at one time, we saw the northern lights here in Simcoe. We were out on that farm. It was outside in the dark. We saw the northern lights. And then my parents said, we're moving to town. And we moved into Henry Street, right by the high school. And I remember going out and looking up, and it seemed like all the stars just disappeared. We never saw those northern lights again because the city lights washed them away. I love to go up north. I have a little place I go fishing up there. And some of you have been up into that area, in the Bancroft area. Bob Cajun, and uh, I'm sure the judges are probably watching. They watch all the time. Let me know when they do. They have a beautiful place up there. And uh, up in that Bob Cajun area, you go out at night and you look up in the sky, man, you see stars you've never seen before. It's, it's awesome. Go up to Aylan Lake. Go up to Aylan Lake on a, on a clear night and look out in that sky. It's amazing what you can see. When I look up that sky, I say, oh, that's the glory of God. Trillions, billions, trillions of lights in the sky that, that, that still the lights coming from, you know, thousands, hundreds, you know, uh, miles, millions of miles away are just reaching us now. They're so vast. That universe is so vast. I love seeing that. There's no greater supporter of creation than the heavens to me. I love it because it, it drives evolutionists crazy. They, they just can't find life beyond this planet. There's got to be life out there somewhere besides us. No, God created this earth for us. And he, and he brought a savior to this place. He made one little tiny ball in this whole universe for us to inhabit. It's awesome. I love that they have been looking through telescopes for 416 years and still have not reached the end of the universe or found God through that little lens. And all of it, the sun, the moon, the stars began to remain with God's words, let there be. And it was. Let there be light. And there was. In a vast ocean sky, ocean of darkness, let there be light. And there was. And God saw and he says it's good. Isn't it neat that God gave to us those lights in a pattern that we can look up into the sky and recognize things like the Big Dipper and Little Dipper? 
Gemini, Pisces, all of those different things. They're all there. I can't, I can't understand all of them or find them all the time, but there's certain ones that I can see. There's a way which we can get direction by the stars. It does not change. God puts them in the same pattern. It's amazing. If the earth was just a couple degrees closer to the sun, we would burn up. If it was a few degrees farther away, we would freeze. God puts it in a perfect position. The heavens declare the glory of God. If you struggle with that and people ask you, how do you believe there's a God? I say, come on, take my hand, we'll go outside. Look up into that sky. Tell me that just happened. Tell me that there was a massive explosion and all those stars aligned in a perfect sequence so that you can see them. They never change, they never fall away. They're always there. It's the glory of God. That's skyward. And then, since we've looked back and we've looked up, now we're going to look out to see the glory of God. I want to show you finally the shared glory of God. Let me conclude with an incredible thought. I'm going to read uh, John chapter 1 tonight. If you want to turn to your camera, for time's sake, I'm going to read it right away. John chapter 1, verses 1 to 14 say this, and many of you already know it. In the beginning was the Word, capital W, the Word. And the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And we know that the Word is who? Who is it? It's Jesus. Jesus, the Word, was with God and is God. The same was in the beginning with God. All things were made by him, and without him was not anything made that was made. That's Jesus. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. And the light shineth in darkness. Wow. And the darkness comprehended it not. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. The same came for a witness, to bear witness of the light, capital L, that's Jesus, that all men through him might believe. Imagine. Verse 9. That was the true light which lighteth every man that cometh into the world. He was in the world, and the world was made by him, and the world knew him not. He came unto his own, and his own received him not. But as many as received him, to them gave he the power to become the sons of God, even to them that believe on his name, which were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God." And the word was made flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld his glory, the glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. The glory of God, the heavens declare, the Shekinah glory comes to earth in the form of Jesus Christ, the word of God in the flesh. That is so hard for me to comprehend. That is so hard for me to fathom, but God tells us that's what's happened. He said, I'm going to take my word, the word that created this world, I'm going to put it into a human body, I'm going to be with you, I'm going to walk with you, Emmanuel, God with us, the glory of God with us in this world. And he says this, if you will receive my son, if you'll receive Jesus Christ, if you'll come out of the darkness of this world and find the light of Jesus Christ, the true light, the truth, if you'll come to the truth and find out what's really real, I will make you a son of God. Wow, now wait a minute. The Son of God, Jesus, came and he's the light of the world. So what does that mean? That means that if we accept Christ and become his son, we then have in us the glory of God. Do you ever think about that, Christian? You're carrying around the glory of God. You're a demonstration of who God is. You're a testimony of what God can do by knowing him as Savior. The word, think of this, the word of God, the Bible, the word that spoke all into existence, the word that brought light to darkness physically at creation comes to earth to bring light spiritually. Psalm 38, verse 2. 
I will worship toward the holy temple and praise thy name for thy loving kindness and for thy truth. Watch this now. For thou hast magnified thy word. Thou hast magnified thy word above all thy name. You know what that's saying? Greater than God's name, greater than Jehovah, greater than I am, greater than Jesus. His word is elevated above it. That's how important this book is. That's important, how important it is that you know it. That's how important it is that you live it. The word, and he says, my son, the word is now living with you. The word that I hold above everything else, that Jesus, that book that you hold, those words are the most important things that you'll ever have. And we have it. That, that is our savior, and that's this book that I hold in my hands. The word was made flesh and dwelt among us, and those that lived with Christ beheld his glory, the glory of God. Now get ready. As many as received him to them, he gives power to become the sons of God. Within those who are saved is the glory of God. Those who are the sons of God share in the glory of God. And if that's not enough, the second you trusted Christ, you got a comforter. The Holy Spirit of God. And we heard of him this morning, didn't we? What a great message on the Holy Spirit and how Jesus surrendered to the Spirit of God. The Holy Spirit of God present in creation. God in spirit and glory resides within us. We have the glory of God. When you think of Niagara Falls and its mighty rush, when you think of the majestic mountains, when you think of uh, the great things of this earth that we've seen and the grandeur and the, and the stars, all of that resides within us. The glory of God. And we don't grasp that. We don't get hold of what that means. We have an opportunity to show to others who God is by our lives, with our testimony, by sharing his word. Let me ask you, how much of the glory of God did you display this week? How much did you testify of Christ in what you did and said this week? Boy, I hope you did. I hope I did. It's so awesome. Imagine if we could live our lives in such a way that people almost couldn't stand before us because they would see the glory of God within us. 2 Corinthians 3, 18 says, but we all with open face, beholding as in the glass the glory of the Lord, are changed into the same image from glory to glory, even as by the Spirit of the Lord. I leave with you the thought that one day the glory of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit and the glory that is within us will all be in one place. The Heavenly Father, Son, Holy Ghost, and all those who have carried the glory of God will reside one day in a place called heaven. And it says in Revelation chapter 21, verses 22 to 26, and I saw no temple there, and for the Lord God Almighty and the Lamb are the temple of it. And the city had no need of the sun, neither of the moon to shine in it. For the glory of God did lighten it, and the Lamb is the light thereof, and the nations of them which are saved shall walk in the light of it. And the kings of the earth do bring their glory and honor into it, and the gates of it shall not be shut at all by day, for there shall be no night there. Verse 26, and they shall bring the glory and honor of the nations into it. Wow. One day, we've had so many that have gone on before us, haven't we? We've had so many that have passed into the gates of heaven in these last few years. One day, we'll gather with them all together, and we're going to sing with the anthems of heaven. We're going to hear the instruments of heaven play. 
and we are going to behold the glory of God. But until then, until then, we have the opportunity to display that glory to others. Let's do it. Let's do it. Let's leave here tonight saying, I am going to glorify God. I'm going to display the glory of God. I'm going to live the glory of God. And when we all come together in this place, you think about it, church is really just a little foretaste of heaven. When you come to church next time, come and say, I'm going to, I'm going to bring the glory of God. And when the choir sings, I'm going to think of the glory of God. And, and when the instruments play, I'm going to think of the glory of God. And, and when the preacher preaches, I'm going to think of the glory of God. And when the invitation comes, I'm going to come in the glory of God. The glory of God. Father, thank you for this night. Thank you that we have such hope and such promise. I pray that we leave here tonight excited to think that your presence is within us. Within us. It's a light. And we know that the Bible says that we're the, the light of the world as well. We are a testimony. We're a reflection of the light. But we're a light to this world in darkness. And there are so many today who are missing something in their lives and they're grasping and they're trying to find something that will satisfy. Maybe even some here tonight that are just looking for something. This can't be all there is to life. And, and, and they're, they're groping in a darkness. I pray that they would come to the light tonight. They would come to the glory of God. They would come and see what Christ is and leave here with the glory of God within them. We love you tonight. We thank you for all that you've given to us that is a representation of your light. And Father, I pray tonight that we would all seek, all want to know, all want to be more of the glory of God after hearing this tonight. Our heads are bowed and our eyes are closed. Let me ask you tonight very quickly, very quickly. How many tonight would say, Preacher, I have the glory of God residing within me tonight because I have indeed asked Jesus Christ to be my personal Savior. I've realized that I'm a sinner. I had a need of a Savior, and I called upon Jesus Christ to save my soul. And I know, I remember, I remember almost immediately when I got saved, I remember how it felt. It was a great burden lifted, and I could feel the presence of God within me. I remember when I got saved. Would you hold your hand up all over the side for me? I remember when I got saved. I remember almost every hand, almost every hand. But not every hand. There were some who did not raise their hand tonight. Could I give to you tonight the opportunity to know Jesus Christ as your Savior? In a moment, we're going to stand. Our heads are going to be bowed. Our eyes are going to be closed. And I'm going to ask you to come. Someone will be here at the front. I'm going to ask you to come and take someone's hand and just say, listen, I'd like to know Christ. If you're by someone tonight, you're not sure they're saved, would you do this for me? Would you say to them, would you like me to go with you tonight to know Christ if you don't know him? Don't ever be embarrassed to do that. Don't be timid to do that. Listen, I would rather someone say, listen, I'm already saved or no thank you than have them spend eternity in hell away from God and that glory because we are just too bashful. I want you coming to Christ tonight. And then maybe somebody tonight to say, listen, I've been, I've been shrouding the glory of God. I've been hiding the glory of God. I've been embarrassed of the glory of God. I've not been living the testimony of the glory of God. Would you come tonight to this altar and say, God, no more. Tonight I'm pulling back the curtain. Tonight I'm opening up. I'm going to become that Christian that I know I ought to be. And I'm going to let people see the glory of God. I know I'm not going to be perfect. I know I'm going to make mistakes. But to the best of my ability, I want people to know that there is a God and that he resides within me. Would you stand to your feet, please? Our heads are about, our eyes are closed. The piano begins to play. Tonight, if you'd like to get saved, Brother Fury is right here at the front of this church. 
Would you slip up and come down and say, listen, I, I would like to get saved. Don't worry about people, what people think. Listen, the most important thing is that you know Christ as your Savior. Would you come right now? Tonight, if you see, listen, the glory of God has not really been all that brilliant in my life. Why don't you come tonight and say, God, please, help me to be a better testimony. Help me to be a better demonstration of that glory. Would you come right now and do that? Would you come? Some make their way. Would you come? The glory of God. Standing there, this is your testimony. I have demonstrated the glory of God. People see the glory of God. They're responding to the glory of God. If that's the case, then man, get ready. Revival is going to break out. But I got to tell you, it's my experience that we as Christians are not demonstrating that glory of God like we should. Because people are not thronging to the church. People are not thronging to the preaching. Hey, listen, people aren't thronging to Sunday night. Could it be because we're not demonstrating the glory of God in our lives? Then if you need to come, come quickly.